Psalm 138 this morning. I'm going to speak to you on the topic, Mercy Forever. I will praise you with my whole heart. Before the gods, I will sing praises to you. I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. In the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. Yes, they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. Father God, thank you for this wonderful psalm. I pray you'd speak to us now from it. Teach us, encourage us, strengthen us as we think about these things. I pray you'd fill me with your spirit. Help me today, Lord. My mind's going everywhere, and I pray you'd you'd help me to concentrate and uh, just say the things I ought to and nothing else. And I pray, Lord, that you would just uh, use this in all of our hearts and lives. If there are folks here today who... Uh, this is particularly applicable to who need this. I pray that you would apply it to their heart, encourage them, speak to them, Holy Spirit, and give them what they need. And give us all ears to hear, that we might be made uh, more like we ought to be by your word. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 138 is a psalm of David. And he begins here by declaring uh, his praise and worship of God in verses 1 and 2 above all the false deities that were worshipped in his day. He desired to worship and praise the one true Jehovah God. And isn't that why we're here today? To worship and praise God. That's why we get together. It's meant to be a time of worship. Uh, It's not entertainment put together or performed so that we can sit back and enjoy it and, and be entertained. I think we have perhaps... And not perhaps. I think we have the best music leader that any church has, any place on earth. And one of the things, one, one of the things that makes that the case is not the fact that she's a spectacular musician, which is almost sickeningly true. She is a spectacular musician, but she gets this part. She gets that it's about worship. You know, you can go into other churches and see laser light shows and all kinds of craziness and nonsense that they do. You can get a lot of entertainment. But you know what you'll notice that you won't get? You won't get the congregation singing. They'll just be standing there watching the show, maybe clapping along, maybe swaying back and forth. But they won't be singing. This church sings. You know why this church sings? Because she gets it. And because this church understands that we're here to worship and praise our God. Everything about our gatherings on the Lord's Day is about worshiping and praising God. And that's what David knew, and that's how he started right out at the very beginning of this psalm. I will praise you with my whole heart. Before the gods, I will sing praises to you. I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name. It's all about praise. It's all about worship. But as we look at this, we have to ask ourselves the question, why? Why was David so interested in praising and worshiping his God? And he gives several reasons here. In verse number 2, he says, because of your loving kindness. Because of your loving kindness. And, of course, just a a simple question, where would we be without that? Where would we be without the loving kindness of God? 
We ought to praise him for that. He mentions also in verse number two, because of your truth, the word. And where would we be without that? Where would we be without the truth of the word of God? We ought to praise him for the Bible. I have loved the Bible since I was a child. Matter of fact, probably since I was a young child. And I think I love it now more than I've ever loved it. After a half century of carrying it around and believing it. I love everything about it. I love the truth of it. I love the beauty of it. Uh, I, I, I love the brilliance of it. You know, there's some folks who will argue with the Bible because they don't, can't get their brain around it. That's one of the things I love about it. It's a mind of God. It's not simple. It's brilliant. It's God's mind. I love the perfection of it. I love the application of it, the relevance of it. I even love the feel of it. I have come full circle, by the way. I used to be a electronic Bible guy, and I still, I'm still holding my iPad up here. I still preach out of my iPad, but you know what? I'm getting more and more back to where I want to feel leather, and I want to feel paper. I like that. And uh, there's something organic. There's something real. There's something solid about it. And I think there's something to be said for that. David praised and worshipped God for the Bible, for the truth of the Word of God. And so should I, and so should you. Of course, there's always somebody who, who thinks that they can tear it down. There's always somebody who thinks they can disprove it or do away with it. Hitler tried that, didn't he, with his mass burnings. How did he do? He didn't succeed. The philosopher Voltaire railed against the Bible during his life, and then in his, as he was uh, coming to the end of his life, he supposedly proclaimed that the Bible would be gone, completely removed from the face of the earth within a 100 years after his death. And as far as I know today, his home in Geneva, Switzerland, is still uh, the place where the Geneva Bible Institute distributes Bibles from. Uh, it just doesn't, nobody's going to tear it down. And now we have some kind of a, some nutcase in California legislature that's trying to pass laws that would uh, make the Bible actually illegal, uh, at least in some ways, in California. There's always those. Even good old Thomas Jefferson, much as we revere him as one of the fathers of our country. Tried to tear down the Bible. But look at this verse. You have magnified your word above all your name. God is never going to let anything happen to his word. The Bible is going nowhere. Jesus said, for assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Matthew chapter 5. A jot and a tittle were just simply the smallest little punctuation marks in that language. The tiniest period. The tiniest dot will last for eternity. Nothing will happen. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. He said, the scripture cannot be broken. John chapter 10, verse 35. I love that verse because that little phrase is in parentheses. It's just kind of like an afterthought in John 10, 35, if you look at that. The scripture cannot be broken. It's just kind of like tossed in there. What a truth. So we ought to praise God. And we have reason to praise God because of his word. Why else did David praise and worship? Well, he goes on. He praised and worshiped because God hears and answers. In the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. Verse number three. Because God hears. Because God answers. Prayer and the amazing truth that God hears it and that God answers it. It was a common theme for David. He praised God for it all the time. In Psalm chapter 18, he said, In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple, and my cry came before him, even to his ears. 
Psalm chapter 34, verse 4, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant. Their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. How we ought to praise God for prayer, for heard prayer, for answered prayer. But David wasn't done. There was more here that he wanted to praise God for. Why else did he praise and worship? Well, verses 4 and 5, he praised and worshiped because the day is coming when all the world will know the truth and all the world will worship God. Every nation will one day bow and worship God. No more false gods. None. No more religious upheaval. No more ancient animosities and war. All will worship him. Psalm 72, all kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. Psalm 102, the nations shall fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth your glory when the peoples are gathered together in the kingdoms to serve the Lord. Habakkuk chapter 2, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. How do we not say praise God for that? But David still wasn't done. Verse number 6, why else did he praise and worship? According to that verse, because God is perfectly just. Never too far away, never too high above to miss your need. No matter how low you may be, no matter how deep that need may be. He will eventually make all things right. He is aware of every injustice, every proud heart, and he's eventually going to judge that too. He is perfectly just. So David said, I praise and worship because of that. And all these are great reasons, aren't they? All these are reasons that we can say amen. We ought to praise and worship God for those very same things. But there are two more here that really speak to me this morning, and I want to share them with you in the time that remains. I read this psalm this past week in my, uh, my daily devotions, and these, these two thoughts just really jumped out at me, and I haven't been able to get them out of my head ever since. So you're going to get the benefit of that today. Let me just share these two. Look at verse number 7. He said, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. David said, I want to praise, and I want to worship, because of your protection. Because of your protection. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. Now, if we think about David, David needed protection, didn't he? David was constantly living in his life, surrounded by enemies. In the early days of his, of his uh, life, when he had been anointed king but was not yet king, in those days Saul hated him. King Saul chased him, hounded him across the countryside, uh, trying over and over to kill him. So much so that David had to live in caves in the wilderness just to escape with his life. He needed protection. And it wasn't just then. It never ended for David. David's life was continuously surrounded by enemies. Constantly there were those who were seeking his throne and seeking his life. He fought with the Philistines throughout his entire life. Later in his life, his own sons, at least some of them, turned against him and tried to do him in. Absalom tried to usurp the throne, destroy David. And then toward the very end of his life, his, one of his most trusted men, Joab, his general, who had been there with him through the whole time, even turned against him. And yet God always protected David. He wrote 
Be merciful to me, O God, for man would swallow me up. Fighting all day, he oppresses me. My enemies would hound me all day, for there are many who fight against me, O Most High. When I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know, because God is for me. Protection made David praise. Protection made David worship God. And there are some people in our world today who still have need for that kind of physical protection, who still suffer that kind of oppression and that kind of persecution uh, from the enemies of God, people that suffered like David did, folks who live in the Muslim world and dare to call themselves Christians uh, have need of this kind of protection. Uh, those who are in the persecuted church in places like North Korea. Uh, North Korea has been much in the news lately and some apparently very positive things happening there, but North Korea still remains number one on the list of persecuting Christians for their faith. And so those folks need physical protection. Our missionaries, I received a letter I think just this past week from the Suttles, Joe and Aaron Suttle about some of the difficulties that they're going through and the physical trials that they're going through, uh, things that we don't think about here, but that they're struggling with. Sarah Troyer, our missionary to, uh, where's she at, Indonesia? I think she's in Indonesia. All the time she's writing and telling us about, I've got malaria again, I've got some other issue, physical needs that they have, and so they need protection. Most of us don't face that kind of stuff. Anybody in here had to deal with malaria? Most of us don't have to deal with that. Most of us don't have to worry about being persecuted for our faith like they do in China. Not very long ago, a huge church in China, I don't know if you saw the the pictures or not, but a huge, beautiful, big building that they had just built, the government decided they didn't like it and just tore it down. People in China suffer persecution for their faith. Uh, We haven't had that happen here. Might, but we haven't. Uh, Most of us don't face those kind of enemies, but we do have enemies that fight against us war against our souls and would tear us down if we let them. We all struggle against principalities and the rulers of this dark world, do we not? Peter said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, your adversary, your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Have you experienced his attacks lately? He's your enemy. He wants to destroy you. If you haven't felt his hot breath on your neck, you ought to be examining yourself. The only people he ignores are the ones who aren't doing anything, the ones who are not a threat, the ones we don't have to worry about. Step out for Jesus a little bit and you'll feel it. All who live for Jesus need the protection of God to stand up to the adversary. We all struggle against that. We all struggle against sin. Sin. Setting sins. You know, those things that we deal with all the time, those same sins that we never seem to be able to overcome. Probably most of us could say amen to that. They torture us with their staying power. We need the protection of God from that. I remembered a preacher. I remember a preacher who's, he's with the Lord now. His name was Paul Vanneman, pastor at a church in Michigan. And I heard him preach one time, and in his sermon he was talking about this very thing. He was talking about the fact that he struggles with you know, certain things that he just can't seem to get the victory over like we all do. And he told about how one morning he was standing in front of his mirror shaving, getting ready for the day. And he was thinking about one of these things. And he looked at himself in the mirror and he said, You haven't got the victory over that yet. And he kept shaving, shaved a little bit longer. And then he smiled and he said, Yeah, but... It hasn't got the victory over you yet either. And that's true. 
We might struggle with these things, but but we need the protection of God, and he can and does protect us from those things. Everything that, 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 that... that we think about in those in those areas. Every sin, every besetting sin has already been defeated on the cross. And our protection is only in Him. Only He can protect us from Satan. Only He can deliver us from those habitual and besetting sins. Only He can protect us. Isaiah 41 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And so David said, Praise God the protection of God. I'm reminded of so many in the Bible who experienced the protection of God. I oftentimes think of Elisha and his servant, and I use this as an illustration a lot. It's a great one. We ought to have it underlined in our Bible. When the enemies of God came after Elisha the prophet and would destroy him, his servant looked out the window and saw them standing out there and surrounding them and thinking that they were in dire trouble, and he came to Elisha and said, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And Elisha said, Lord, open his eyes that he might see. And he looked again, and the whole hillside was surrounded with chariots of fire and the angels of God. That's the protection of God that we thank God for. I think of David facing the giant, facing Goliath, facing an insurmountable odd. And yet he knew the battle was the Lord's, and he was protected. I think of the protection of Daniel from the lion's. Not a tooth mark on Daniel when he came out of there. I think of the protection of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Not even the smell of smoke on their garments, the Bible says, when they came out of there. I think of the protection of Peter while he was in prison in Acts chapter 12. And there are modern examples. I've told you before about a preacher friend of mine named Jim. He, uh, he told this, and I always think every time I have troubles or I'm in a, I'm in a hurry driving, I think of Jim. Because he was driving one day, I can't remember if he was going to church or what he was doing, but he was one of those days when he was in a hurry and he seemed to be hitting every stoplight. You ever have one of those days and he was getting more and more upset and more and more upset and getting very antsy and you know starting to thump on the steering wheel and all kinds of things because he wasn't going to make it on time and he got to this light and he was sitting there racing his engine just waiting for the light to change and the light changed and he slammed on the gas and his car stalled. And he said he was just beating on the steering wheel when he looked out of the corner of his eye, the car that had been right beside him went into the intersection and was creamed by somebody coming the other way. And he just bowed his head and he said, thank God for your protection. Speaking of people getting creamed, Trudy was just creamed this past week. And look, there she sits. Hallelujah. God's protection. She was here yesterday serving a prayer breakfast. God protected. I think about my son. Every time I see my son standing tall and seemingly healthy, I think about God's protection. Uh, Just yesterday at prayer breakfast, he had Rick Spangler there. Rick Spangler, who always amazes me every time I see him. I ask him how long it's been now. He said seven years. Seven years ago, Rick Spangler was diagnosed with cancer and told that he only had a couple months to live. Seven years ago. And yet there he was, smiling. He said, I just had chemo yesterday. He'll have chemo the rest of his life. But yet God continues to protect. I I, I know it's not always God's will to heal, and I don't want to give that impression, but it is always God's will to protect you and to bring you through whatever it is. That he wants you to go through. So we ought to praise him this morning and worship him for his protection. And then there's one more reason. One more reason that David gave for praising and worshiping God. And I think it's a good one. We praise him for his protection. We also praise him for his perfection. Perfection. Verse number 8. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. 
Do not forsake the works of your hands. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Now, David was not there praising God because God was perfect. That's not what he's saying there. He was rather praising God because God was making David perfect. God was in the process of perfecting him, of fixing what was broken, completing what was incomplete, shoring up what was leaning, strengthening what was weak, cleaning what was dirty, adding what was lacking. God was in the process of making David into the man he needed to be, in the process of perfecting him. David knew it, and he worshipped and praised God for it. I don't know about you, but I find it's very easy to get discouraged in the Christian life. And that to be the case. That struggle against sin we mentioned a minute ago can wear you down. It can wear you down. It can discourage you if you let it. Well, listen to that promise. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Sin does not win. Sin's already defeated. It was defeated at the cross. That very sin against which you wrestle was defeated at the cross. It's gone. And it will be physically, noticeably gone from your life soon. The Lord will perfect that which, which concerns you. And there are so many other tactics the enemy uses to try and discourage us and take us out of the race. Some suffer terribly with health issues. Poor health is not the end. The Lord will perfect that which concerns you. Some find themselves in the midst of terrible and difficult and painful relationships that can drag them down and threaten them, take them out of the race. But such trials are not the end. The Lord will perfect that which concerns you. No matter the struggles, no matter the struggling we face, they all have an end. The Lord will perfect that which concerns you. Paul wrote to the Philippians, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. To the Thessalonians, he said, he who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. In Habakkuk chapter 3, one of the greatest passages in the Bible, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet... I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high hills. The Lord will perfect that which concerns you. How do we not praise him for that? How do we not say glory to God for that? Well, there's yet one final word here from David, and with this we'll be done. And that's also in verse number 8. He said, Your mercy, O Lord endures forever. Your mercy endures forever. And it is that mercy that makes everything else we've said here valid. God's loving kindness was mentioned in verse number 2. God's mercy is mentioned in verse number 8. They're the, they're the bookends to everything else David wrote right here. Because of his loving kindness and his mercy, all these things are true. God, in his mercy toward us, gave us his word which is so wonderful and for which we praise him. God, in his mercy, hears and answers our prayers for which we praise him. God in his mercy promises that one day he will fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, for which we praise him. God in his mercy sees the needs of the lowest and promises to make all things right, and God in his mercy protects and perfects all those who are his. You want a reason why we should praise and worship God? Try that one. Praise and worship him Because your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Well, let us pray. 
Father God, we're thankful for this wonderful psalm. We're thankful for these simple thoughts and truths. Help us, Lord, to get a hold of them, to rejoice in them, to recognize the, uh, the glorious truth of it, that your mercy does indeed endure forever. Your mercy forever. Help us, Father, to praise and worship you because of it, because of all these things, but mostly because of that. I pray today, Father, if there's even one who has never yet experienced that mercy, who has never yet come and placed their faith and trust in Jesus, I pray today they would. I pray they recognize that it's the mercy of God that has them here today. I pray they recognize that it's the mercy of God that's given them another day, uh, another opportunity, another chance to respond and to trust Christ as their Savior. Lord, if there's even one, may they trust Christ this day. And, Lord, for the believers who are here, I pray, whatever they might be going through, if there are struggles, if there's difficulties, if there's trials, if there's hurts, if there's pain, if there's a need for encouragement, I pray today they'd see in these things that you are indeed protecting and perfecting. And uh, help them, Lord, to praise you through whatever they're going through. Whatever the needs might be this day, we pray you bless in Jesus' name.